0: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal
1: Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I am Pastor Scott Furrow. It's great to be with you today. On this fine Tuesday afternoon, trying to bring the sunshine in before we get a little bit of rain—that's uh, what we're—that's what we're working on here. But uh, you know, it's not really in our control. But you know, who's to say? You know, I recently watched an old movie, and I might have mentioned that I watched this, but I found it just to be very disturbing. It's an old movie called *Idiocracy*. You ever see that movie? I—I I don't recommend it. Really, it's kind of—you know it's came out in two thousand six. And uh, it's R-rated, all right, it's got some language and stuff in it, but the reason it has that is that the idea is a guy gets put in some kind of weird frozen cryo sleep, right, science fiction type of thing, wakes up 500 years later to a world where everybody is an idiot. And uh, it's rated R for that language because it fits the way people speak because that's mostly how they speak, grunts and swear words and things like that. And the world is just going just down the tubes. And part of the plot is that the frozen guy explains to the world that the reason that crops are not growing is because you can't water the fields with Gatorade or whatever the sports drink was in that era. There was some kind of corporate takeover of everything, and there was no more water. It was just Gatorade, and the crops aren't growing, and uh, what he says is that you actually have to use water to grow your crops. And lo and behold, he saves the day and the crops grow once they start putting water on it and there's some idea that maybe the world will recover. It's a silly movie. Did I spoil it for you? Did I spoil the ending to that movie? (laughs) You know, I'm sorry, but uh, you know, the Titanic sinks at the end of that movie. Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. He just is. Does it bother you to uh, to uh, to joke about that? Anyway, the movie's disturbing because it shows how the world descends into this idiocracy, and it's basically what we're doing now with education and politics. Let me ask you something. The world is moving more and more toward chaos, and I think in a lot of ways even intellectual chaos. Are you getting prepared for that? And as a Christian— Are you able to discern what kinds of things are actually truthful versus what kinds of things are just part of a culture of chaos? that is leading you into a way that is falsehood. I'm going to talk about that, and I've got two guests with me I'm excited to have with on the program today. Lenny Esposito and Hugh Ross, Dr. Hugh Ross, both will be speaking at the Dare to Defend Apologetics Conference this weekend. Lenny Esposito is an author and a speaker, and he has been spreading convincing Christianity across the globe by stirring hearts and minds um, for over 25 years teaching apologetics. His website is comereason.org. His website and podcast, comereason.org. Also, Dr. Hugh Ross is an astrophysicist, and he is the senior scholar and founder of Reasons to Believe, which you can find at reasons.org. It's an organization that researches and communicates how discoveries about nature harmonize with the words of the Bible. And both are authors, and it's great to have uh, both of them with me today. And uh, I think I, maybe I lost uh, I lost them. They They disappeared. I'm hoping that that's not my fault. I clicked on the button and maybe I hung up on them. Did I do that, Wilbert? Oh, I didn't realize this. they were listening to that fine monologue. I have to go back into the jail. In Southern California Live, Jail. I, I have little buttons that are in front of me and I click on them. Like when you call, you know, I click and I say, "Hello, how are you?" And uh you call. Them. Anyway, uh they'll be with they'll be back with us in a, in a moment. And uh uh I like I was saying about that movie, you know, don't go out and check it out, but it's, we're living in a time where truth is being challenged. We're living in a time where we are being confronted with the idea that there is not actually truth or that you can, through philosophical or political means, change what truth is. And that is something that we have to, I think, rise above That is something that we have to prepare for. And as Christians, we believe something. We believe that there is ultimate truth. We believe that the universe is not something that can be changed just by philosophy or politics or education, that there are things that just are what they are. All right. uh, Do I have our guest? I'm afraid to click anything now, Wilbert, uh, just in case. uh, uh, Lenny, are you with me? Good afternoon, Scott. Ah, I'm here. How ah, great! Sorry to hang up on you there a moment ago, but uh, uh, yeah, know.
2: I I understand. I'm I'm in that room at least once a month, so I okay. <laughs> know
1: how it goes. Yeah, and uh, Dr. Ross, are you with us? He's on his way. All right. Well, Lenny, it's great to have you with us. And uh, you know, I've been talking about how important it is for us to understand what's truth. You know, from your perspective, you've been doing apologetics ministry mm-hmm. for 25 years. Uh, this is a an interesting time that we are living living in, you know, wokeness or applied postmodernism or whatever you want to call it. We're living in a time where mm-hmm. truth is relative and even changeable. Uh, what are your thoughts yeah. about that? How do we respond to that?
2: Well, it, it, it's actually, I think, sometimes even worse than that. First, there was a post-Christian world in which we lived, where Christianity was kind of marginalized, kind of... Uh, understood as something that may be backwards and old school. Then we moved into kind of the post uh, truth idea that relativism is the rule of day. Now we're post reality. Mm. Now we're the idea that, you know, if you're born in a certain body, that doesn't actually mean anything. What means something is the feelings that you hold. So we even start denying what's in front of us, what, you know, Elementary school children would easily identify what is a woman, things of that nature, uh, in order to just make ourselves feel better and, and push a specific agenda sometimes. Sometimes uh, there's, there are those who are other means. But yeah. that's kind of where we are, which is really desperate. And I, I really feel for parents whose kids are coming home from school with questions not necessarily even questions that their teachers are challenging them with, but questions that their friends are. When You know, mm. what do you say to your son or daughter when she says, my best friend now says she's a boy? Right. You know, how do you – so it's a really difficult time out there, and that's why it is important to – Number one, understand what's going on, why it's going on. And secondly, maybe to have some prepared answers, something that you've thought through so that you can engage your kids or you can engage people at work or things
1: like that. I think we have to realize that this is not something that you can escape from. These are conversations that everybody is going to have to have with their kids or their friends or even coworkers. You're going to you're going to have these. You can't hide. Uh, from this. This is...
2: Yeah, well, most companies uh, require many of their employees to do a two-hour diversity, equity, and inclusion seminar. So how do you, as a Christian, thoughtfully not offend people? You don't want to offend people, but at the same time, you want to be honest about your belief system, and you want to be honest about what you know is true, and not uh, just go along for the ride.
1: You know, there's a a lot about regular life and philosophy that this is affecting. Uh, Dr. Hugh Ross also is with us. Thanks for joining me after I hung up on you, Uh, Hugh. I'm
3: glad to be here. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Glad to have you. You know, as a scientist, um, we're talking about this. Do you see a mindset in the same way changing even how scientists do their work? Is there a a postmodern applied way of doing science that really is not about truth. You know, what do you see coming from it from that angle because you know, I would like to go to the doctor and be told exactly correctly what's wrong with me or what I need to do to get better, not just somebody's, you know, politically correct opinion. I imagine this affects things in in different ways. How do you see this happening? playing out in the well, scientific world. it does
3: world. affect the social sciences, uh, but the physical sciences have been immune to this. I mean, you can't do physics from a postmodern perspective. And so <laughs> what I'm recommending as a physicist is that a healthy dose of physics could do go a long way at the turning back our society from a lot of this postmodern nonsense that we're having to deal with. Uh, but unfortunately, Very few people in our education system actually pursue anything in physics. I remember back in the Victorian era, anyone going to a British university, you had to take physics. You had to take higher mathematics. Uh, No longer are those requirements uh, being met. And consequently, we got a large segment of the population who's believing things that are simply not true.
1: Do you think that the reason, and, and maybe Lenny, you've got a thought about this too, do you think the reason for that, Dr. Ross, is that when you get into physics, and I'm, I'm not uh, a scientist, I'm a history major because I got tired of taking math, And uh, but I have as a pastor for all these years, you know, something I've noticed when I'm dealing with people who struggle with faith, particularly from a scientific perspective, the physicists seem to do a better, be able to grasp things about God better. and and this is off the top of my head, but do you feel like that maybe we're ignoring physics because it requires you to deal with the truth, Uh, the fact that there is truth? Yes,
3: and with physics, uh, you've got small error bars. Uh, The systematic effects are well-defined, which means there's a whole lot less wiggle room. And uh, they've been doing surveys on American women's science for the past 100 years. Mm -hmm. The first one was done in 1916, and that they predicted that as science advances, we're going to see a plummeting of the level of belief among scientists. The truth is, it's not changed. Back in 1916, 40% of research scientists in America believed in God and an afterlife. Today, it's about 41%. But what's interesting is when you break down the disciplines, mathematicians have the highest level of belief, uh, closely followed by astronomers and physicists and physical chemists. As you move into the life sciences, the percentages drop. They're the lowest in the social sciences. And I think the reason why is you go from the physical sciences to the life sciences to the social sciences, the uncertainties are greater, the systematic effects are largely unknown, and therefore people are free to speculate. Uh, and also there's a the selection effect. I mean, if you're persuaded towards a the theistic perspective, you're much more likely to pursue a scientific career in the hard sciences than you are, say, in the social sciences. So I think that's part of the explanation, but I find interesting in the physical sciences, the majority of research physicists and astronomers, physical chemists, and mathematicians believe in a god and an afterlife. I remember speaking at MIT and I got introduced to the radio astronomy research group. It was thirteen uh, graduate students and uh, professors. All thirteen were evangelical Christians.
1: Wow! You know, I think that's great for people to hear, and I appreciate your answer because I've wondered this as a pastor in the church. Or I was a pastor at was in a uh, scientific community, so so many people coming to church or people I'd interact with were scientists. And a lot of the conversation I have uh, with people about doubts and other things are, are conform to what you just said there. Um, and I think it's, you know, people, there's something out there that says that, you know, God and science can't uh, be on the same page, and that's just not true.
3: Yes, uh, the Bible teaches a two-books doctrine, that God reveals himself in an utterly trustworthy and reliable manner through two books, the Book of Nature and the Book of Scripture. And that's kind of the core of our reasons to believe ministry, is to use discoveries in the book of nature to bring people to the book of Scripture and into a relationship with the Creator of the universe, Jesus Christ.
1: You're listening to Southern California Live. My guests are Lenny Esposito and Hugh Ross, and both of them will be speaking at the Dare to Defend Apologetics Conference this weekend. Uh, Lenny, when, we're, when we're, you're hearing us talk about this, you deal a lot with people um, yeah. who are having these conversations about questioning even just the reality of things. What is the best way to get prepared, you know, if you are a parent, to, to study mm. our, you know, and teach your kids even just about the nature of truth?
2: It's a great question, Scott and you know there are so many avenues that where you can follow this, but one of the most interesting things is i start by talking about belief systems, and you while it's kind of like the old analogy that Walter Martin used to use um when the folks at london's uh, Scotland Yard used to train their detectives on spotting counterfeit bills, they never did it by bringing out the counterfeits. Mm. What they did was they had a, they immersed them in touching and feeling real money, and after a while, you touch and feel real money so often you can spot a fake anywhere you, anywhere you see it. there can be merely a different uh, differentiations on fakes, but the real is always the real. So the first thing we have to start with is to know what we actually believe, why we believe it. I think that's the the primary thing. And sometimes it may take a person a little bit uh, more um, experienced in digging into these questions and maybe your local pastor god bless the local pastors they have such a hard job yeah. and they've got so many different things going on that they're, they're kind of like the general practitioner in medicine. You know, they're covering a lot of bases. But if you have a specific malady, you want to get an expert in there. You want to get a specialist. And what we have uh, at the Dare to Defend Conference is we have a group of specialists coming in to help you diagnose some of these different issues that are going on, From everything from critical uh, race theory to uh, world religions to uh, – the reason why Jesus is still relevant in today's culture to even, you know, how language is being used and abused uh, in order to sway people's opinions. So what I would say is, you know, something like this would be a really good doorway to to expose people to some of the different ideas out there, things that they may not have thought about before, but to really get an, an understanding of what's true and what's real. That's the that's the starting point and then it becomes harder to knock you
1: off that idea. Do you feel like there is an increase in Christians who want to have that understanding or is Christianity in our churches are we struggling to even want to grasp these truths? Yeah. Well, it, if it really depends on how you
2: frame it. Um so for so often a lot of folks uh, have understood Christianity is not something that is simply head knowledge, and they're absolutely right. You know, uh, Jesus is a relational uh, person, and we have a relationship with him, and that's important, but having that relationship only without any knowledge doesn't seem to be a truly Mature relationship, imagine that you have a a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend who's overseas. You know, if you don't communicate with them and read their letters and understand who they are, you always want to get to know them better, know more of who they are. And that requires some head knowledge. Now, what I've found, a lot of folks today shy away from the idea of being studious, of Mm -hmm. having the intellectual side, which okay that's fine i i get why you would have an initial aversion to that but if you want to know more deeply about things and usually this happens again when a loved one is challenged or if the loved one is going through a crisis you know i don't necessarily investigate cancer unless i have a loved one right who's afflicted with it then i want to learn everything i want to know about it and that's what i've found beyond that the other aspect of this is the beauty of christianity and this is something else i think that we miss because there is a deep desire and a hunger for the beauty of society you know the beauty is the thing that's missing everything has been reduced to just functional aspects and and there is a beauty to truth there's a beauty to god there's a beauty to christianity that I think can be
1: very, very attractive even to young people today. You know, it's attractive and it's reassuring also, right? It deepens yes. our faith to understand. And that's something about our faith, that about Christianity, that, that people shouldn't shy away from. You can ask questions, and you can get deeper, and you don't have to worry about um, something coming up and just clobbering your faith if you've really studied things. Uh, Dr. Ross, We've had a lot of conversation in the last particularly three years, I think, in our country about science in general has become, I think, a term that maybe we don't understand anymore because of different ideas of what it means to follow the science or the science of the COVID and all the controversies that are related to all of that. And sometimes we're told that science is something that a person shouldn't question because it's the science. It's the settled science How should a Christian understand their faith in relation to science and in relation to how the culture is presenting what science is today?
3: Well, a lot of what I do is train lay people on how to evaluate what people claim to be science. There's a lot on the Internet, for example, that purports to be science. But I share with people, if they don't give you a link to the peer-reviewed paper, don't trust it. Yeah. And even when you go to the peer-reviewed paper, you want to go to something like the archive websites that NASA and PubMed uh, You know, maintain, where you can actually see, well, what do the peers of this uh, particular set of authors say about what they're claiming? And you don't have to be a scientist. I mean, you can read the abstracts of all the scientific papers published for free, and you can get a pretty good idea at a LA lay level, okay, what is it there? Uh, that is sound, and what is it there that's still being questioned and needs further investigation. But please beware of what you see on the internet.
1: I think that is a great answer, and that's something that we have seen, I think, especially over the past few years, right? People who can, there's a difference between a peer-reviewed paper and a paper that has been submitted for peer review. Is that correct?
3: That's correct. I'd also say it applies to people within the Christian community that are writing about nature and science. Mm. If you don't see them citing the peer-reviewed literature, again, I would be very cautious about putting any confidence in what they say. I mean that's one thing we stress at reasons to believe i mean i put out an article every week called today's new reason to believe but I always make sure you get a thorough survey of the scientific literature i give you hot links so you can go straight to the paper and see what i'm saying rudy really has credibility but i think what's exciting is every day there are scientific papers being published that make a much stronger case for the christian faith than we had the day before I mean, what I share with uh, skeptical audiences when I speak on university campuses, maybe you're not persuaded today, but wait one month. If the evidence scientifically becomes a thousand times stronger, then maybe you need to seriously consider what the Bible's got to say and how you need to be structuring your
1: life. I think that's very wise advice. And We're living in a time where we we want to just confirm something we already believe. And on the Internet today, you can find anybody who will confirm something that you really want to be true that does not make it true.
3: Well, for example, 3% of the U.S. population thinks that the world is flat. Why? The Internet. I mean, 10 years ago, nobody was believing that, but they are now. 3%
1: The social media is filled with that kind of stuff. It's unbelievable that uh, that that's out here. I got to take a, a break, and uh, my guests are Hugh Ross and Lenny Esposito, and both of them are speaking at the Dare to Defend Apologetics Conference. That conference is this weekend. It's at Living Truth. Christian Fellowship, right here in Southern California. You can uh, go to the website to get tickets. We'll talk about this, gentlemen, as soon as we come back. The website is comereason.org uh, and click on events and you can find the link to this conference. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about the conference and what people will uh, be able to get out of it and why you ought to go. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Fro, your host. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, and my guests are Dr. Hugh Ross and Lenny Esposito, who are, we're talking about, Uh, Apologetics, keeping the faith in a culture of chaos. They will both be speaking at a conference coming up Friday and Saturday at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. It's called the Dare to Defend Conference. And I'll get you some more details on that here in just a second. Dr. Ross, uh, I was thinking over the break, you know, when today... Uh, what would you say to a, a young person who maybe is going to college who's thinking about Christian who's thinking about going into science what advice would you give that person and how to deal with some of the pressures that maybe are unique in the scientific community uh, about their faith
3: well first I would share that science is the ally of the Christian faith it's not the enemy uh, I would encourage him to you know get some contact with uh, you know scientists who are strong believers get some help from them, and then then look for opportunities to share your faith. I mean, I became a Christian as, when I finished my sophomore year in physics, and I, again, I saw God just give me amazing opportunities to share my faith with my fellow uh, students and professors, and that actually helped me to become a better Christian apologist. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like sharing your faith to realize, okay, this is what I need to study. Uh, you know, it tells us in First Peter three fifteen, always be ready with good reasons for your faith and hope in Christ. How do you develop good reasons? You share your faith. But it also says, do this with gentleness, respect, and a clear conscience. Unbelievers pay more attention to your demeanor than you do your words and your arguments. So work on that. But again, how do you develop that Christian demeanor? You do it through sharing your faith. And, you know, I pastor in a church that's between Caltech and the Joe Propulsion Laboratory. Huh. And the thing I've noticed over the past four decades, uh, when I first started, about 25% of people who regularly attended church shared their faith with an adult non-Christian in the past year. That percentage is now down to 5%. Mm. We Christians have got to stop retreating. You know, we're not to withdraw, we're not to attack, we're to engage And I think one reason why we don't see Christians engaging, they don't feel equipped. And I think that's the value of this conference, giving people the sound reasons that they need so they can be confident in sharing their faith, and actually be eagerly looking for opportunities to share their faith.
1: I think that is what we have been seeing, and that is an exciting thing about this conference. Lenny, what is unique about uh, this conference? Um, What kind of training will people get?
2: Well, I think that this conference uh, specifically is unique in uh, many ways. A a lot of apologetics conferences have covered topics such as, uh, and they're important topics, the existence of God, Uh, why, you know, did Jesus rise from the dead? I think those are fundamental issues to the faith. But what we're doing is a little bit more culturally Sensitive Right now, because yeah. we're living in a culturally sensitive age. So we want to not only undergird uh, issues like how scientific uh, discoveries, recent scientific discoveries reveal God, which, by the way, I'm very excited that Dr. Ross is joining us because it's the 30th anniversary of his book, creator in the cosmos, which is exactly the topic that that addresses. So that's really an exciting thing. But we're also talking about why Jesus still matters in a world that rejects the Bible. Jay Warner Wallace, who's a cold case detective, will bring us that. And we're going to talk about wokeness critical race theory. Or even, just as a Christian, how do you survive in a sex-saturated culture? Uh, one of our guests we have with us is Beckett Cook. Who came out of uh, the Hollywood industry, but he also came out of a homosexual lifestyle, found Jesus, and he's going to talk more about what that means and and how to reach folks who are maybe struggling with transgenderism or mm. or others who are uh, you know moving and trying moving into this transgender ideology, things like that I think it's so important for, to address yeah. issues. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to address issues that people are are, are seeing in their newspaper today, uh, hearing about from their friends and family, and, and, and really answer the questions that they have right now.
1: And those are the questions that people will ask if they're engaging with people and uh, the conversations yeah. that they need to have. Uh, Dr. Ross, congratulations, by the way, 30th anniversary of your book, Creator and the Cosmos. Uh, it holds the subtitle, How the Latest Scientific Discoveries Reveal God. We're living in a time where there is scientific discoveries all the time. The Webb telescope, we've been seeing great pictures from that. Um, do you think all of this stuff, What I think what we hear in the culture is that this diminishes the reason to believe in God. Would you say that these scientific discoveries are creating new challenges for understanding who God is, or is it actually strengthening the reason that we believe in God?
3: Well, I've been posting the latest James Webb. Images on my Facebook page and giving people like a paragraph or two description and how these latest images are making for a much stronger case for the Christian faith and the inerrancy of the Bible. I mean, it's a thrill just how much stronger a case we have today than we had even six months ago. Mm. And that's what I'm excited about at this conference. I'm going to have the chance to share about scientific discoveries in the past year that have exponentially increased our scientific confidence in the Christian faith. I mean, as you're aware, uh, the uh, Bible is a closed canon. Right. uh, But the book of nature is not closed. I mean, my discipline of astrophysics, the knowledge base doubles about every five years, which means in a space of five years we get to have double, and it's not double, it's more, it's exponentially greater evidence uh, from astrophysics for the Christian faith than we have before. It's such that the atheist scientists today no longer can appeal to the empirical. They're forced to appeal to that which we don't know, which we can't discover. Uh, they're forced to speculate about the unknown. Everything we know everything we observe and measure and experiment testifies that the god of the bible is the one who created the universe and very carefully fine-tuned it not only so that billions of us humans can exist so that billions of our humans can be redeemed from their sin and evil in fact in the last couple of years i've been sharing with my uh, atheist peers look i know you're not a believer But if you'll just do your scientific research from the biblical redemptive perspective, I'm convinced it will make you a more successful scientist. Try it and see what happens.
1: And what happens? How do they do their science from a biblical redemptive uh, standpoint?
3: Well, if you start with the assumption that everything in the universe, all of its components and all of the historical events in the universe— have a specific purpose in making possible the redemption of human beings, that's gonna enable you to make more discoveries about the universe, its details, and its history, and why it looks the way it does. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I've been involved in this for 40 years, and now recruiting a whole scholar community and reasons to believe we now have 175 scientists around the world uh, who partner with us in showing the public The more we learn about nature, the more evidence we have for the supernatural handiwork of God.
1: It is so encouraging for people to know that. I want to encourage you to, uh, if you're listening, to check out uh, the website. Gentlemen, tell us about the the ministry that you're a part of, and then we'll give out the uh, final information about the Dare to Defend conference that's coming up. Uh, You have online presence and articles that you write. Uh, Dr. Ross, uh, how do people get in touch with you and your ministry?
3: Well, it's reasons.org. I mean, we've been around for quite a while. So you'll find 30,000 science faith articles at reasons.org, thousands of video clips. Uh, all of our scholars maintain a uh, personal uh, Facebook and Twitter page, and we take questions from people. So if they got questions, or if you've got some agnostic or atheist friend has got questions, uh, feel free to send them our way. And what I love about this conference that Lenny has set up, there's going to be a lot of time uh, for questions. So yeah, please bring your non-Christian friends and associates to the conference and encourage them to ask their toughest questions.
1: I noticed that, that uh, there is a lot of time for Q&A. Sometimes that's missing from conferences, right? And hopefully the speakers get to whatever it is that you're really dealing with, but sometimes they don't. And yeah. I, think, I think that's very, very wise. Uh, Lenny, how do people get in touch with you and uh, the ministry that you've put together?
2: Uh, well, Come Reason Ministries started online back in 1996, which is kind of the gray page days of the internet. So, uh, Internet Explorer, uh, did, um, Netscape
1: Navigator. Uh,
2: b- before <laughs> it, it was it was bulletin boards and CompuServe. It oh, that's was, right. It was Netscape 2.0. It was ah. it was 9600 baud modems. It was a long time ago. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, yeah, ComeReason.org. It's from Isaiah 118. Come, let us reason together. Uh, though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. So comereason.org, or you can go to daretodefend.com. That'll take you straight to the the conference page. But we have hundreds of articles as well. YouTube page, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and everything is just slash come reason. Twitter.com/slash come reason, Instagram.com/slash come reason. You'll be able to find me on all those. All right. And if you are inviting your non-believer friends, tempt them by saying, hey. Lunch is included, and it's in and out. It's like you can get a double-double for your time at the conference. That's worth the price by itself. That's completely worth it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, thank you for joining me on Southern California Live. I'm excited for your conference. And uh, the way to find it is go to Dare to Defend. It's daredefend.com. At the shortcut to dare get to to it. It. Com. dare to defend yeah. dot com. The conference is this Friday and Saturday, it begins Friday night at seven o'clock. It is at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. So you can get there from anywhere in Southern California pretty easily. Uh, seven o'clock p m on Friday night, and uh, what it begins at three thirty p m no, it ends at three thirty p m on Saturday. You have a morning session, and all of that information is at daretodefend dot com and I encourage you to check it out right now. Dr. Hugh Ross and Lenny Esposito, thanks for joining me on southern california live
3: it's been our pleasure all
1: Thank right. you so much. All right. God bless you. Thanks for being with us today. And uh, when we come back, I'll have some thoughts about these things and take your calls. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll return as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213 537 3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow. If you want to join our conversation, the number is 888 528 2557. 888 528 2557. We've been talking about uh, reason and science and the truth and how to get at it and we're we're in a culture right now that really struggles with this and you know we uh, i was glad that i we had Hugh Ross on and his answer to a question i asked kind of helped me a lot cuz as a pastor I have to tell you that I did in a in a community where there's a lot of scientists, a lot of scientists in the church where I was the pastor of a lot. Uh, in fact, we had a Chinese congregation. They spoke Chinese. Uh, most of them spoke English also, but it was Chinese speaking service. And I preached in that service one time and there were maybe 300 people in that service, adults. And they told me that half have their PhD, half, you know, is an educated uh, congregation, right? And... Sometimes educated congregations struggle. They struggle with faith, uh, particularly in some branches of science, or they they struggle with uh, humility or other things that, you know, sometimes we feel like we're doing pretty well because we're educated and maybe we have more money than some other people or whatever it is, and... You know, I found that congregation, by the way, to be very humble and very passionate about reaching people for Christ, particularly professors at uh, the university and uh, or universities where they served. But I did notice this, and maybe if you're listening, you have had this experience, or maybe you're experiencing it yourself. I have noticed that different branches of science, different studies, different disciplines in science, have different struggles with coming to the Lord if they don't believe in God or they aren't sure about Christianity or they're agnostic. And so when I asked Dr. Ross about that, he confirmed something that I've experienced anyway, that the physicists seem to be able to grasp the idea of God more easily. And he said the physicists and the mathematicians seem to be able to believe in God more easily than some of the particularly social sciences, but also the Uh, biologists that I dealt with really struggled with this, and I was having a conversation with two friends who were both biologists as a pastor, and both of them were struggling in their faith, doubting it, ready to leave, ready to walk away. And really, they were hard conversations in part for me because I don't know enough about it, right? I didn't take biology classes. I did take physics, actually. I, I was a funny kid. I enjoyed physics in high school and college. I did not enjoy Uh, biology. I enjoyed chemistry, um, but I did not enjoy biology. Well, those conversations were hard. They were also hard, not only because I don't have the ability to sort of stay on the same plane of conversation with terms and some things, but also these are my friends. These are people I love who are really struggling. But at the same time, you know what? It causes me to start questioning, you know, what in the world do I really believe about this? Is it What are the things that matter the most? And I found that the more I studied and read from physicists and mathematicians and the type of science where there's not a lot of guessing, where you really have to be right. I mean, the funny thing about if you're a physicist and you're becoming a a woke postmodern physicist, I guess that means that you can just throw gravity out the window, right? And you can go ahead and just jump off the roof of a 10-story building. Maybe you won't fall. Right, I mean that would be the idea. That doesn't make any sense. You you wouldn't do that at all, of course. Um, and there's less to theorize about because you really have to get the physics right uh, about things. And uh, you know, it is an interesting study when you get into reading about those things. I find it interesting that Dr. Ross and what I've found, and maybe what you have found, is that people who really have to deal with truth. 2 plus 2 equals 4, that the equations have to work or something uh, cannot be true, or that's the type of science that you're in, um, then it's easier to believe in God. And it's easier to look at the the universe the way it is and not say to yourself, how can there be a God? This is so huge, which is something that sometimes people will say. Instead, you say, how can there not be a God? This is so organized. How can there not be a God? Because everything I'm looking at confirms some kind of intelligence to it the there are laws that cannot be broken that are put in place and even if they are slightly broken you end up with a black hole and all you got is destruction and you've got everything collapsing within itself that's the same thing that happens in philosophy when you undo truth it's the same thing that happens in our conversation that we have as a culture When we start to say things like, you know, men can have babies and if you are a trans person that you are exactly the same as that gender you've transitioned to, which is fundamentally not true, and it's demonstrably not true from a scientific standpoint, but to try to force that, in order to do that, you have to believe then that... um, The the biological makeup of a person is not real, that the ability to, for example, get pregnant is something that is not related to ovaries and having a womb and all of that. You have to assume it has something to do with something else, or that if one day, I read a real disturbing article about how technically you could make a man pregnant and different things through all kinds of scientific stuff. I don't even know if that's correct, but the scary part is that we're probably trying to get there, right? It's still not the same. Even if you could find a way for a a man to be, um, to artificially uh, have a womb implanted, which is kind of the idea, and have it work, it's still not the same. But the modern philosophy is to say that it is. And what you're doing here is you are unhooking reality from the rest of the universe, it is a, a scary thing. If you study some of the philosophers out there, and some of you do, I know that some of you read it or you went to college and uh, you dealt with some of it. The, the ones who really think it through, who think through what it actually means to deny things that are ontologically true, that are actually true. When you think that through, what it means to try to say something isn't true that really is and try to make it into the reality of your world, you're unhooking yourself from the rest of the universe. You are unhooking yourself from the way the solar system works. You're unhooking yourself from the physics that we live in, from the biological realities that we live in, and you're just sort of off and you have to replace it if there is no God, for example, ultimately, then you you have to find another place to develop a morality. You have to find another place to develop purpose. See, if, if there is no God and there is no purpose to the universe or purpose for us, maybe that makes you feel a little better because you're not accountable and you think to yourself, well, I'll just try to be a good person as much as I can be, and I'm not accountable to anything— but the thing is is that you just made that up if you if you break it down and you start to say well what does this mean you discover that there is if there is no god then there is the horror of there actually being no morality that if there is no god a human power structure can create a certain kind of morality so that a society can function but there's no meaning to it a more powerful thinker or more powerful group of people can come up with a completely different morality and enforce it upon you, and then their way of morality is right. And at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter anyway because there's no accountability. If there is no God, then there is no accountability for our murders. There is no accountability for rape. There is no accountability for child abuse. There is no accountability for, for lying. There is no accountability for harming other people. There is there is no no benefit, really, of doing good other than it might make you feel better about yourself. But even that feeling better about yourself is not really rational, right? Because it doesn't matter. We're just highly evolved animals, mammals, and the survival of the fittest would be the only philosophy that makes any sense. And even at the end of the day, it doesn't. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. See, wh- when you think these things through... And that is one of the very troubling things about the world that we live in today. When you think things through, there has to be a truth somewhere. There has to be, just like a physicist who is doing experiments, has got to consider that there is gravity, there is mass, there is weight, there is speed, there is time. There are all these things that you have to consider when you are launching a satellite into space or you are doing an experiment that you are hoping to have a positive result for. You you have to get it right or it's or it's not right. The same thing is actually true even in the way we live our life. The exact same experiment is true in your life, that if you live your life according to the way the world really is, the reality of the universe, your life is going to be better. You won't be deceived. You know, that's why lying is wrong. You know why lying, there's a lot of reasons why lying to somebody is wrong. But part of the reason you don't like to be lied to, is because when somebody lies to you, they are altering your perception of reality, either in your relationship with them or your perception of reality with somebody else or a circumstance. You have, you know, when somebody, you know, when a Madoff steals a bunch of money for people, but has been lying to them and sending them false financial statements in the mail, and they get those, and people get those, and they feel secure about it until they find out that it's all a lie, and that the reality is, Bernie Madoff has been spending your money on other stuff and wasting it, and he's lost it, and you actually have nothing. That's always been the reality. It didn't become reality when he got arrested. It had always been the reality, but you were forced to live your life going against that reality. That's what lies do, is they alter our sense of reality. This is why we have to know the truth. This is why it is worth digging into your scripture, asking your questions about God, wrestling with things if you struggle with it because the hope that we've got in christ the hope that we have in this universe the the rationale that we can have for purpose it rests on the idea that there is a god there is a god who cares there is a god who wants to who is the creator who created you who wants to be with you who has prepared a place for you if you believe in jesus just like he said you know, so the idea is that Jesus isn't just one way, he is the way, that that is the reality of the the universe, that there are physical realities, but there's also spiritual realities in exactly the same vein. I want to encourage you to realize that. On our show, on our station, we teach you to believe that Jesus Christ is that reality. He is the Logos, the way, the truth, and the life. All right, when we come back for Hour 2, we'll talk about some things in the news, and we'll talk about it from the standpoint of truth also. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back as the Tuesday edition continues. Stay tuned.